morning, everybody. How you guys doing? How you guys doing? Good morning. It's me. It's Justin. Hey, uh, I'm the junior high pastor here, and if I haven't met you yet, I want to. And you might you hear that probably every week, and you're probably thinking to yourself, "Well, I've been coming here for years, but like I, I don't think I've ever really talked with Justin." Like you should like come. Like I want like do something so that I like see, and then we can have a conversation because I want to talk to you and get to know you better. So come find me afterwards. It'll be great. Hey, good seeing you. Uh, do me a favor. Grab a, a Bible and grab a pen. Um, you're going to want to take notes today. This is a note-taking lesson, and this is why. For the first four weeks, uh, or the first before this, when we did our last series, we did four weeks on a series called I Am, which was Jesus talking about who he was. Now we're doing a whole series called Am I? And it's us talking about who we are in light of who Jesus is. So if we know who Jesus is, we're going to be able to kind of have a better picture of who we are and who we should be. And through the, the lens of or looking through what Jesus' plan and his hope was for us. And today, you know, like all other days, uh, we're going to start off with, uh, with one of our key verses. This is the verse for the series. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Let's say it all together. This is easy to do. Let's say it all together. For, ready? For, in Jesus. Wait, hold on. Let's try again. Let's, I've already screwed up. Okay, ready? For, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And if you're going to memorize any verse, that's the verse I'd ask you to memorize for this series, uh, because I think it is a a verse worthwhile. Now let me ask you this question, it's going to be up here on the screen, I want you to think about this. Um, What gives worth to something? What gives worth to something? You'd say, well, I give worth to things. Like I, the owner of something, will say, you know, what is, you know, worth something, what's not. You know, maybe sometimes the person who made it, a very famous person, painted a painting. Maybe that is worth something a little more. Maybe if it is the last of something, you know, if you've ever been, like, to, like, a camping trip or something, or you've been to a barbecue, and that very last cold Dr. Pepper, you know, that, it wasn't that big of a deal in a 24-pack, but when that's the last one left, that is a very worthy, worthwhile item. You know, sometimes the things that, you know, are, you know, carry a lot of worth are the things that are, you know, old. They're just valuable. Like, they've been around for a while. There's not a lot of things like it. Uh, you think about what takes away something's worth. Well, you think of what takes away something's worth. You know, we, you know, you can usually determine if something is worth or not worth. Like, we kind of set the price for the things that we have. But if there's a lot of something, you know, there's a lot of something, then you know, it doesn't have a lot of worth, a lot of value, because there's just so many of those things. You know, the, the way we determine worth or value, you know, something outdated, for instance. I have a friend who has an old flip phone, and, you know, that's not really that valuable anymore. Everyone has iPhones. He uses it to prop up his desk. You know, we're, we're really good, usually, at determining what's valuable and what's not valuable. But, and here's the truth. Sometimes we do this in our own lives or in relationships, and we sometimes put this on ourselves too. We have a thing that we would measure how valuable or worthwhile we are, what worth we have. When I was at, uh, in junior high, I went to this junior high school dance. I went with this girl. I was really excited for this dance. I got her one of the flower things that she wears on her wrist. It's called a corsage. And she got me a boutonniere that, you know, she pinned right on my little suit jacket. It was awesome. And we went together. My mom drove us. It was very exciting. We both sat in the back seat, kind of held hands a little bit, not a whole lot, because, you know, we were in junior high, but kind of. All right, all right, enough, enough hand-holding. And we got to the dance, the first dance, you know, of the night. We all walk in. The first dance of the night went pretty good. We were dancing together. Second dance was pretty good, too. Third dance was kind of all right. And then uh, then she's, like, said I, she had to go to the bathroom, and I didn't see her for, like, 20 minutes. And then I'm kind of looking around for her. Like, maybe she got lost. Maybe, maybe she, she died. I didn't know what to do. I was freaking out. I was very, very concerned. And then I see her dancing with a buddy of mine. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, she's my date. 
And I went over. I was like, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, you know, hey, I, I saw her name was Jen. Hey, I saw Jen. And, and like, you know, my date didn't show up. So I asked her if she wanted to be my date for the rest of the night. And she said, yeah. And I'm thinking, dude, she's my date. Like, what, what are you doing right now? And, in, and she just looked at me and she's like, oh, he's gonna, we're going to go out for dinner afterwards. And we had no dinner plans afterwards. We're going to go out for dinner afterwards. Like, I hope you're not, like, offended. And by the way, I did not act offended, but I was very offended. And in that moment, I felt like I didn't have worth. Like, I felt like this big. I felt not, I didn't feel valuable. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I had worth. And like, it was for me a very upsetting, very painful moment. And it, I asked myself, and I sometimes find myself wondering, you know, in times like this, how do I respond to situations where I ask, am I worthy? Am I worth, and whatever, am I worth this girl's attention? Am I worth time? Am I worth respect or consideration? Am I worth someone's acceptance? Am I worth friendship? Am I worth enough to this friend to not do that to me? I find myself in situations where I ask, am I I worthy? Am I worth it? And I think that we probably have all found ourselves in a situation one time or another where we have asked this question. We have thought to ourselves, do I have the value that I think I have or should have? Am I worthwhile? And the, the way people maybe are treating me, the way, you know, I'm dealing with in situations in my life, you know, the way everything is kind of happening, do I have worth? Am I worthy? Now, here's the thing, and I find this to be so, so incredible. There's a story in the Bible. God knows that we need to learn, and the best way to learn is be able to look at stories from the Bible and say, oh my gosh, like he's, he's making a point here, something we should learn from that we can apply to our lives today. And that is found, there's so many great places, but one amazing place is found in the book of Luke chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Luke chapter 19. And here's the deal. I'm going to kind of set the scene for you. Rome is ruling over this entire area. They're ruling over everything. And uh, the, the people, the Jews back then, they did not like that Rome was ruling over everything. You know, they had like this very clear picture in their head that they had to like stay, you know, well, they wanted to be like rule followers and they wanted to be, you know, what they considered to be clean and that, you know, the people in Rome and all the, the everything they brought with it was unclean, you know, the false gods and all these things, very unclean. And they decided the way to stay clean, the way to stay good in, in God's eyes to the way they you know, perceived it, was to limit access, limit the unclean things that they were around. If they could limit all the unclean things they were around, they could stay clean. So what they did is they took the, the laws you find in the Old Testament. They took the laws in Deuteronomy. There's a bunch in Deuteronomy, a bunch in Leviticus. is all in the Old Testament. Very boring to read. But they took all those laws, about 600 of them, and they put an extra thousand laws to it. So imagine having to live your life with 600 laws, and then someone says, hey, we're going to add another thousand laws to this. And the whole purpose of it is for you to stay clean. And for them, unclean equaled unworthy. So if they became unclean, they were unworthy, in, they thought, in God's eyes. And so they wanted to stay clean and worthy by all costs. So they would do things like, you know, they couldn't eat a certain kind of meat. And, but it wouldn't be they just couldn't eat that certain kind of meat. They couldn't hang out with people who ate that certain kind of meat. And like, it, it wouldn't be just they couldn't hang out with those people. Like if you live next door to someone who ate that kind of meat, like not only would you not hang out with them, like you couldn't even talk to those people. Like, they insulated themselves because they wanted to stay clean. They wanted to stay to what their definition of worthy was. They insulated themselves, and they kept a lot of people out. Now, this is what it says in the Bible. This is so good. You're going to love this. Luke starts with Luke chapter 19, verse number 1. This is what it says. Jesus entered Jericho 
and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. So to be a tax collector back then, you're basically ripping off the people in your town. Like you're taking taxes on behalf of Rome. You you have to charge a minimum that Rome kind of sets, but you can charge above that as much as you want. So if Rome says charge, you have to charge $5. But if they're like, you know what, I'm going to charge $20. The people have to pay it, and the tax collector gets rich, so no one liked the tax collector. So this guy was someone who no one in the town liked. He got rich off of his neighbors, but he was protected by Rome because he was the chief tax collector, but no one liked this guy. This is what it says, uh, verse 3. He tried uh, to, as Jesus was coming in, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up Sigmore Fig Tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, we all know this story, so as you're tuning your minds out, I want and to tune him back in. We all know this story, right? Zacchaeus, and he climbed the fig tree, and there's a song that you probably learned when you were a child about this. So uh, tune your minds back in, because I want to look at the story in a completely different way. Because you look at this and say, oh, well, you know, he, you know, he was just trying to get a look at Jesus, and, but he just couldn't see through the crowd. Well, you know, he couldn't see through the crowd because people wouldn't move for him. Like, imagine yourself trying to see something, and, you know, you're asking, hey, can you move out of the way? Like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to get a look. And everyone looked at you, like, I'm not moving for you. I don't like you. I don't have to move. No one's making me move. Forget you. Like, the common courtesy, right? It's like, you think, like, oh, that's just a common courtesy thing. Like, you just, you know, move over for people. Here's the thing. In their eyes, Zacchaeus was so unclean, so unworthy, that for, for them to even pay attention to Zacchaeus, to even listen to him or to do anything even kind for him would run the risk of them becoming unclean. And you did not want to be labeled as unclean in this society. You get labeled unclean, you're probably going to lose your job. If you own a business, the business is going to fail. Like if you have friends, those friends turn their back on you. They're not allowed to talk to you anymore. Like your life is over so people will abandon what we consider kind of social norm, nice things to do in order to stay clean, or whatever their perception of clean and worthy is. See, here's what is so crazy. They take that idea of worth, and they don't just attach it to items or things. They attach it to people. Imagine someone attaching the idea of worth to you as a human being, someone that God created the way he wants them. And he looks at you and says, someone looks at you and says, you have worth. And, and you know what? Your worth has been taken away. You are no longer worthy. Here's the thing. Unclean equals unworthy in their eyes. And so this was blowing, like, this was blowing Jesus' mind. Okay, this was blowing Jesus' mind. This is what it says in the next verse. Jesus walking by, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now, Jesus didn't know Zacchaeus. He never met him, and you probably think, oh, he's Jesus. Like, he just probably has, like, a, a contact list in his brain. He's God. He knows everyone's name, right? Yes, he knows everyone, but that's not how he knew Zacchaeus. He knew Zacchaeus the same way Zacchaeus knew about Jesus, reputation. Zacchaeus knew about Jesus because of the reputation surrounding Jesus. We all know about reputations, right? Maybe you have a great reputation. 
Maybe, maybe you've made mistakes and, and you have a really difficult reputation. And we all know that reputations, it's a hard thing to change. So when Jesus is going into town, typically he'd send a couple disciples ahead of him. You know, he did this in the Last Supper. They went and prepared the place. And he'd send a couple disciples ahead and they'd kind of get, you know, get rooms reserved and, and you know, find out kind of some stuff about the town. They'd come back and report it to the rest of the disciples and Jesus. So when they came back, they probably said, hey, just so you know, there's this guy named Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax No one likes this guy. And when Jesus saw him, he knew him, not just because he's God. It's true, he's God. He knows who this guy is. But he knows him, and he sees him, and he knows him because of the reputation that he has in this town. And this is what's so crazy, that Jesus would say, you, I want to come to your house. Jesus was causing trouble. He was causing trouble for all the people in this town. Because this is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was going through this town. You have to imagine, all right? You have to imagine all these people in the town who their whole identity, who they are, is determined by how unclean uh, they are not. So, you know, it's determined by how clean they are, how worthy they are. You know, they follow all the rules. They're clean. They have value. They're worthy. So you have to imagine these world going into town, and all these guys are like, oh my gosh, Jesus, like, I follow all the rules. Jesus, like, you know, my hairstyle's like yours. Like, I want to be like you. Like, I'm so good. You should come to my house. And Jesus walking past all those guys and looking at Zacchaeus, the worst of the worst, and saying, I want to go to your house. Imagine people freaking out. Why would he go to his house? Doesn't he know if he hangs out with that person that he'll be labeled unclean? Doesn't Jesus know if he talks to that person the kind of reputation he's going to? Doesn't he know if he talks to him the things that people are going to say about him? You know, this is what it says in the next verse. This is so good. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people, and I put this in red, is like angry, right? People were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. You guys know what that sounds like. Like when you're walking by and you hear some people grumbling or snickering and you, in your mind you're thinking, they're not, they're, that's not about me. But like it is. Because that's what people do. Like they grumble, they snicker. Like they decide what is okay. Others decide what is clean or what is worthy. And if you do something outside the norm, just like Jesus was doing, like they, they're just like, why would they do that? Why would he do this? And they're all losing their minds and they're all freaking out. This is what's so wild. This is just what's so wild, all right? And I want you to write this down. You should learn this for the rest of your life. People who care more about their worth than your worth are building their worth on the wrong thing. People who care more about their worth than your worth are building their worth on the wrong thing. When someone says, you know what makes me more worthy? The people I exclude. The more people I exclude who, who are not the, like who I want to be, the more worthy, the more clean I am. And you read this and you think, oh man, this is so good. Like I totally know who I'm going to say this to. Like, you're like, oh, man, I'm going to leave here, and I know, I'm, I know exactly who I'm going to go. I'm going to go tell this person. I have this person in my mind. I'm going to go find him and be like, hey, listen, person, you need to know that when you care more about your worth than my worth, you're building your worth on the wrong thing. Like, you need to know that, and you're, like, already thinking of the name you're going to write down, and, like, you've probably already written in your notes. Like, I'm going to go tell this person. All right, here's something. This is going to be painful for some of you. This is, or read this for a second. When you, you, junior high, I love all of you, when you care more about your worth than others, you build it on the wrong thing. When you determine your worth by this picture or this set of rules or this, this thing you want to follow, and it's all built about excluding other people, making sure other people don't mess up your worthiness, you have built your worth on the wrong thing. You know, Jesus, 
He was super worthy. He didn't build his worth on excluding people. His worth was built on building other people's worth up. His worth was built on encouraging other people and being around them and including them. That's what Jesus did. Uh, this is what I want you to see, uh, this verse here. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated on their ta- anyone on their taxes, I will give them back four times, imagine that, four times as much. You know, a big change happens in Zacchaeus. You know, I think when worth becomes either in question or there's, there's, there's clarity or either you're clear on your worth, big change happens. You know, when you question your worth, like really dangerous things happen. I think this is never more true than in my, one of my favorite movies, one of my kids' favorite movies, the movie Toy Story. All right, this movie is just riddled with the message of worth. You know, you have Andy, you know, this wonderful owner, loves playing with his toys. You have Woody, who's been his toy forever. And Woody is there, has his place on the bed. Woody is, you know, Andy's favorite toy. Like, the whole room's decked out like a cowboy. You know, Woody has found his worth. He is valuable. He matters. Until Buzz Lightyear shows up. Then Woody becomes very different. He becomes very angry. He becomes very, very upset. You know, this is angry Woody. He plots Buzz's demise. He has to figure out how to get rid of this guy who's taking his worth because Woody's identity is built on being Andy's favorite toy. You know, take Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, he believed he was a space ranger. No one was going to tell him he wasn't a space ranger. He was a space ranger. Until the moment he walks out of Sid's room, I've seen this movie about a million times, walks out of Sid's room, you know, kind of peeks into Sid's dad's, you know, loungish room, and the TV is on, and a commercial for the Buzz Lightyear action figure comes on the screen. And that moment he realizes that he's not the space ranger that he thought he was. And his worth is, is ripped apart because he's built his worth on who he was. And he becomes very depressed. And he becomes very sad. He's, he's dressing like a girl. There's nothing wrong with dressing like a girl, but he's dressing like a girl. He's he drinking tea. He's depressed and he's sad and he has no reason to carry on. Because when our worth is in question, it, it throws us for a loop. We don't know who we are. But here's the thing. When, when focus and clarity is brought to our worth, we know exactly who we are. And big change happens. In Zacchaeus, a big change happened. He decided in that moment to be a different guy. This is what's so good. When you base your life's worth on the world's fake definition of worth, you're only worthwhile if you, can, if you score a goal or, or make a point or hit a home rally. You've made, your value here is scoring and making points and winning. And if you don't do that, you don't have worth. That is a world's fake definition. You're only worthwhile if you look this way or fit into this size clothing or if you smell this you know, particular way or if you know how to attract a boy or a girl in a specific way. That is the world's fake definition of worth. Here's the thing. Real worth changes us, just like it changed Zacchaeus. Real worth changes us. Now, here's the truth, and I just, I just love this. This is like, the, I think, the best thing ever. This is how Jesus responded. This is what he says in verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That true son of Abraham, this is so good. That's what, you know why I love that? Because Jesus is referencing this guy Abraham in the Old Testament. Abraham, a very old man, God spoke to him and said, from you, I'm going to birth an entire nation. 
Like, that's the very beginning of this whole, like, you know, world of, like, these Israelites and these Jews and the God's chosen people. This was the beginning. And you have all this whole group of people that is, you know, kind of making this determination of what's clean, what's unclean, what's worthy, what's unworthy. And Jesus is there saying, you are the son of the guy who got this whole thing started. You have value. You are worthy. Not because of a set of rules. Because God sees you as worthy. God sees you as valuable. You know, there's going to be a moment that comes, and maybe it hasn't come for you yet, but something tells me that it has at some point in your lives, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, at some moment something has happened, where you've questioned, you know, your worth, your value. Someone said something, something happened. Here's the truth. Jesus is the only one who gives real worth. You might think the coach is the one giving you worth. Listen, the coach is not giving you, he's there to win. I love coaches. I was a coach. I've had great coaches. Real worth comes from Jesus. Well, you know, my, you know the, the singing coach, the musician person, the guy who does the plays, like all these people, right? Like they're the ones speaking into me this worth and this value. Jesus is the only one who gives real worth. You know, there's going to come a moment where you question, you know, your worth, your value. I know I've had moments like that. And when I've had moments like that, this is the question I ask myself. I put it up here on the screen. I think this is a question that's worthwhile next time it happens to you. If I built my worth on this, how long would it last me? I've asked myself that. You know, the relationship I was in, you know, when I was playing sports in high school, you know, when I was just, you know, ditching church, and you know, every weekend, like I was never showing up because I spent all my time studying because I thought if I got A's, that would make me valuable, that would make me worthwhile. But I learned to take all these things that we kind of, you know, build our lives on and build our worth on and our value as a person. And I ask, if I built my worth on this person, this grade, this sport, this team, if I built my worth on that as, as, a, as a person, as someone that God made, if I built my worth on this, how long would it last me? Would it last me through the rest of the season? The rest of the year? The rest of my years being a student who gets grades? And, and then when I'm done getting grades, like, then what? Here's the thing. Jesus is the only one who gives real worth. He's the only one that really can look at you and say, you are worthy, you have value. Here's the bottom line. When the world gives you fake worth, and it happens often, Jesus gives me real worth. You know, when you're walking through the hallways at school, and like, you know, I get the thing that people, they're, they're going to point out all the flaws and all the things of why you don't fit in and don't matter and it doesn't work. When all those moments happen, Jesus is the one that says, no, you have worth, you have value. You know, when you go to school Monday, and I always have that Monday mindset. When you go to school Monday, how is this helpful to you? Man, when I used to go to school Mondays after getting lessons like this from my youth pastor, about who I was and where my real value came from, and then some person at school is like ragging on me, bullying me, giving me a hard time, and that's painful, and I'm not discounting the pain and the difficulty of that. But when I walk away from that guy, I know that bully, he's building his worth on how he intimidates other people. That will fail him. That is not real. And I was walking away knowing that I built my worth on Jesus, who does not let me down, who says I matter and I am worthy and I have value. Here's the deal. There's cards in your thing. I want you to take them real quick. They're pink. They're in your boxes. And here's the purpose of those cards. The card says, am I worth blank? And chances are there's probably something in your life, something that's causing you to question if you have value, if you're worthy. 
And I want you to write down under that a truth, something that you know to be true, that proclaims exactly what you know is real about what God says you are and have value in. Am I worth real friendship? I am a good friend who cares about people. And you know that that's true about you. Am I worth someone's time? I am worth God's time, even if other people can't make time for me. I want you to write down a question that you've probably asked and write down a statement of truth that when you read it, it's going to be an encouragement to you. So here's what we're going to do. As you're writing it down, we're going to, we, we talked about it, okay? Uh, I like playing gaga ball. You might be looking at the time being like, oh my gosh, it's only 10 o'clock. We're already done. We're not done. All right, we're going to have our own little JHM Gaga Ball tournament. It's going to be awesome. Because I, we need to start crowning winners. If we're going to have this thing, we need to start having champions of this. Okay, we need to start labeling the people who have just totally rocked it at Gaga Ball. So here's the deal. As you write your thing down, I want you to fold it up, put it in your pocket. And when you go see your parents today and they look at you and say, hey, what did you learn today? You're going to look at them and you're going to tell them, well, I learned when the world gives me fake worth that it, real worth only comes from Jesus. Then you're going to look at your parents and what are you going to say to them? What did you learn today? Hey, give a big uh, hand for your two Gaga Ball referees, Kristen and Jeremy. Let's go. Oh, Here we yeah. go. That was awesome, Justin. Okay. Welcome, Welcome to the to 2017 Gaga Ball. Tournament. Gaga Ball Tournament of Champions. I so know. we're going to clear the middle pit. If you're in a middle pit chair, you got to get up and you got to move all we these need chairs help out. Moving the chairs out of the middle. If you guys could do that. As fast as you can. Brandon's got some music Brandon back there that he's putting on. The Brandon's party got music. started today. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm so excited for this Gaga Ball tournament, Kristen. Okay. Here's how this is going to work. You guys are such great chair movers. You guys are borderline the best chair movers I've ever seen in the history of junior high ministry. I'm very proud of you guys. We've got a rules video that we're going to watch in just a second, but we're going to watch it as soon as we get these things moved. I want you guys to know what you're playing for today. We have certificates that have been custom made for Junior High Ministry Gaga Ball Tournament. They're beautiful. We have the Up and Cover Award that will be given to the surprising victor. We've got the champion Grandmaster Backslider Champion. We've got another one, the Lone Ranger. We can't wait to give out awards. We can't wait to play some Gaga Ball. We're going to check out this rules video so that way we know how it's done. Go ahead and hit it. Rules video. Only a few rules to Gaga Ball. It's me, Chize. Gaga Ball Tournament this weekend in JHM. If you get hit below the knees, you're out of here. If you get hit above the knees, you're not out of here. Alright, that's our friend Chives. We can't wait. We're going to keep the lights dark. We've got three rounds to this Gaga Ball tournament. Three rounds. Four rounds, actually. Four but rounds. The There's very a first round. Right. But here's the deal, guys. I need to add a couple more rules because Chives is the best, but he did not explain all the rules. So let me give you two more. The first one is if you hit the ball out of the Gaga Ball court, you are out. So if you hit it out of the court, you're out. And also, if you hit it like a double tap hit, then you're out too. It either has to hit nice. someone else or Perfect. it has to hit the wall before you can hit it again. Okay, and also, so, to be clear, 
I like the people who are jumping in. The first round is sixth graders only. So non-sixth grade! graders, get out of the pit. Sixth grade only. We're going to do a round for every grade, and then we're going to do the championship grandmaster round with the top five from all of the grades. So yes. here's Can't what we're going to do. I'm going to throw the ball. Once Hang it's on, on the, the third bounce. On the third bounce, you can gaga it up. You ready? Set. Ga, ga, ball. Perfect. We're going to wrap. This is great. Oh, you're out. That's a hit. That's a double hit. Ooh, strategic. Nice. Yeah, Let's get a Woo! second ball in there, Kristen. 